Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sex Ed Taught Me. This is your host, Natalie Walton. For this episode, we are actually going across the pond again uh, to talk to Lydia, who grew up in a village in England. We're both writers and both queers. We talked extensively about the overlap between these two and talked about the similarities and differences um, of coming out and growing up in our respective communities. I love Lydia and I love this episode and I get such a like warm feeling whenever I think about this conversation. So I am extra excited to be able to share this with you all. And without further ado, here is Lydia. Hi. Um, well, my name is Lydia. I'm 24. I'm from right in the middle England. Um, quite active on Wattpad and Twitter and Instagram and all that, always with just my name, which is Lydia Hepsibar. Um, I'm a huge advocate of normalizing sex and sexuality especially amongst young women like you know sort of 13 to 30 because it's so often stigmatized um i'm a writer and started my current Wattpad account writing mature erotic positive stories anonymously until i got a whole bunch of support and love from readers and i stopped being anonymous because it turned into this like huge powerful thing about sharing positive sex stories oh, i love that so you mentioned <laughs> being from kind of like Middle England. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about like what your hometown was like? So like socially, politically, you know, kind of like, like I have never been to England or like the UK or anything like that. So I have no kind of concept of what it's like there. So if you could give like any details are exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm afraid mine is really not exciting at all. So I grew up in and I still live in a village of uh, well, it depends how you count the boundaries. It's between five to 7,000 people, most of whom are old white conservatives over the age of 60. They're all straight and old and boring. Um, I've never really had a lot to do with the village I live in um, until this year because I got a job in the village uh, working in the doctor's surgery. So I've had a lot more interaction with people, which has made it a lot clearer how like, homogenous the town is. It's all the same old white faces. Um, like I've lived here for 24 years. I've never met a single openly queer person. I can count the number of non-white people who live here. Like it's, it's really shit, but it's very typical of countryside villages in England. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. um, it, it's very, yeah. yeah. It's like kind of, you'd take a snapshot of the sort of people you'd expect to see in the Republican Party and that's who you have in my village. Okay. Um, not necessarily like politically that way, but just those are the faces you're going to find. Yeah. Um, and school-wise, I went to a small like village primary school a few miles away where they had about 200 students there. Um, and that was nice. It was just a small village school. And then secondary school, which is age 11 to 18, I went to a private school in a big town that had about 1,000 students. Um, and that was in the West Midlands, which is where I'm from. Uh, but it was a much bigger town between Manchester and Birmingham. So about 150 miles north of London for people who only know where London is. <laughs> and then do you think that your kind of village and the people you grew up around, do you think they had any influence on the kind of sex ed that was taught? I mean, like, what, what do you remember from your sex ed classes? Um, so I had a, I actually had a, massive range of sex ed classes throughout school which is I guess it's especially when I see how it can be in a lot of places in America it's quite refreshing to see what I had um 
so like we don't do abstinence we don't, we don't teach abstinence here really at least not in my experience um which i know is something i've come across a lot talking to people from america yeah <laughs> um, like i've only ever heard of abstinence i like mentioned as a joke or like it's a they'll say oh the only way to not get pregnant is to abstain if you're well if you're a cis couple anyway um i think the first sex ed class i had I, I was about 10 or 11 so i was still at primary school and they separated the boys and the girls and the boys were taught about erections and the girls were taught about periods and that was pretty much it i mean we were kids so i guess that's what they thought was appropriate um and then in secondary school we had one lesson every year and we all used to really look forward to the sex ed lesson because you never knew what was going to happen <laughs> um and it started out well, it started out pretty tame i mean we were 11 when we started secondary school um i remember when i was about 13 we had an openly gay guy who came to school to teach sex ed and i thought oh that's really cool you know he's a gay guy i was very deeply in the closet at that time I um, feel it. <laughs> like there was there was no one out i didn't know anyone out i was very ashamed because it wasn't taught about or anything and i thought oh, this is cool we're gonna have a gay guy teach us about sex ed but he said and i remember him word for word he said homosexual is when you like the same sex heterosexual is when you like the opposite sex and bisexual is when you're greedy and i was so oh. upset and i didn't yeah. understand why i was upset but that really like that's <laughs> That was a shit sex ed lesson. That was, that really upset me. Oh my, um, yeah, I, oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And I was so shocked to hear it coming from a queer person to say bisexuals are greedy. And I could, I'm sure he was doing it for a laugh. I think he was trying to make the boys laugh in the class because that's what he got. And he fed off that. But I was, it, it was just such a disappointment. Yeah, no, because that's, I mean, Wow. Yeah, because we we never really had any sort of discussions about like queerness or like the LGBTQ yeah. community at all in my classes. And I'm like, I remember how much that affected me, like not hearing anything at all. But I'm like, I can't right. imagine hearing something negative about, you know what I yeah. mean? Like I, oh, oh, my God. It was, and especially, you know, when you're about 13, it's such a formative age. Mm -hmm. So then everyone who hears that, they're like, oh, if he says it, it's okay for us to think that. So then that kind of, it builds this toxic, like anti-gay community within a bunch of teenagers who, you know, at that age, we could have learned something really positive and it would have been ingrained in us. Um, but yeah, so I don't think at any point during the seven years we had proper like queer sex ed. It was all very heteronormative. Um, but it did quite, it got quite detailed, I guess, when we were like later on, like around the age of 16 to 18. Um, like we had very graphic lessons on STDs and protection and like horrific pictures of gonorrhea and all that. Like. Yeah. Um, and we had this, it was a very strange workshop. We had like a whole group of sex ed people come to school and they did classes. Well, it wasn't really classes, it was like exercises, I guess. Like you had to wear drunk goggles and try and put a condom on a model penis. Um Wow, no, that I, I have never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, they were trying to teach us that you can't put a condom on when you're drunk, so you shouldn't have sex. But I was really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was some good stuff as well. Like, you know, they had fake testicles and breasts that you could feel for lumps and things. 
uh, so getting to know your bodies. Um, and they had like mobile STD clinics that would come to the school and they gave everyone a testing kit and they said, everyone who goes and tests themselves for chlamydia can have some free earphones. So I did it for the prize, even though I knew there was no chance I had any chlamydia or anything. I just, <laughs> I wanted some earphones. No, that is so, int- I have actually, I don't think, have ever heard any stories about people being like incentivized to go get tested. Oh, really? Yeah, no, that is like, like, I don't even think, like there are still schools in the US where like the idea of handing out like condoms and things like that is like yeah. totally just like absolutely not like you cannot do that so I, I don't even know oh, what really? the response would be in certain areas if they were like hey go yeah. like go get tested but I I really actually kind of like that because like it's one of those things where like the incentive is like you're tested and you know more about your body but I do think especially exactly, for kind yeah. of like younger people it's like you know just kind of showing them like it's it's not terrible like it's you know something you need to do for your body especially if you're having you know regular casual sex that kind of idea it's like it's yeah it's good like it's a good habit to get into and you it made was, as well it definitely yeah very positive mindset they were like you know everyone can go and do this test it's really easy it's all private and confidential and hey you can have some earphones or some socks or whatever yeah um so a lot of people did do the test um yeah i, yeah, I really and they also it. they gave out like bags of condoms and lube and stuff um, yeah. so yeah. It, in a way it was a sort of, it was positive sex ed in that it was sex positive, but it just was very focused on straight people having straight sex. Uh, yeah. Um, which, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better than nothing, but it, it had a long way to go. Yeah. 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 No. Cause it's, um, I mean, I feel like that's such a consistent theme. It's like, no matter what type of like sex edge you got whether it was you know super like aggressively abstinence only or it's you know a little bit more comprehensive and a little bit more accepting it still seems like a lot of what was missing was anything for anybody in the lgbtq community like it was just kind of like absolutely it was either not addressed at all or it was kind of just like a passing thought you know and it's it's like Mm -hmm. well i mean they also like you know it's like speaking as somebody's part of the community like it, it would be good to know <laughs> like, like, right, personally, exactly, if I, yeah. <laughs> like if I'm taking a class on this I would like to be informed yeah because it kind of drilled in the idea that straight is normal and straight is the way that everyone is mm-hmm. therefore you know if you're not doing it this way something's you know you're not worth us spending time teaching about because you're so abnormal it's like well actually you know yes I was in a very heteronormative school school I don't know many if any queer people really from there but it's just not how society is it's not reflected of of the people I know now and I probably do live in a bit of an echo chamber because I surround myself with queer people online but I'm sure there are a lot more queer people out there than anyone at my school would ever thought of like they wouldn't think that there are that many people Mm -hmm. who are being um repressed by this sort of that they're pushing towards one specific group of people yeah no I really I, I worded that terribly <laughs> no 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 I get what you're trying to say and like I really do think like representation matters and like I think when people yeah. think of representation it's typically in the context of like you know fiction or like seeing yourself on screen or you know just seeing somebody who like looks like you or acts like you or reminds you of you and your friends that kind of idea yeah. but it's like it's also like the education you're receiving and like the context that you're living within it's like you know, 
like what kind of positive effect would there have been if, for example, you had, you know, even like one queer couple that lived in your neighborhood, like openly queer, where like everyone knew, you know, it's like, what kind of effect would that have had, if any, you know, and it's like, like, I just, I constantly wonder that. It'd be life-changing, especially, you know, when I was young and confused and growing up. Um, And I do feel that 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 really shaped a lot of my teenage years. Yeah, no, and then so when you're thinking about kind of growing up, because you didn't learn kind of anything about this when you were in sex ed, where do you think you learned about it? Like, was it, I know for a lot of people, it's like fan fiction or just like reading in general for other people, it might be like TV. Like I know, like for me personally, Glee was like some of the first representation <laughs> I saw, which is like really, kind yeah. of, I don't know, it's like not to still be talking about Glee in 2020, but like, you know, that kind of idea where it's like, it was you know, a very formative show for a lot of us. <laughs> it really was. Um, but I was wondering, you know, if there's anything that you could think of that really was like super helpful in you kind of understanding yourself and maybe even helping with understanding that like, you know, bisexuality is perfectly normal perfectly acceptable like it's you know there's nothing wrong with being bisexual as opposed to what uh, what you learned in your sex ed class which is even like gross to say (laughs) I think to be honest a lot of my understanding um it can probably a lot of understanding about bisexuality and all of that and coming to terms with myself was from being on Wattpad actually um and coming across so many people of all gender sexualities and a whole bunch of identities I'd never come across before. Um, and learning and being exposed to people who were in this community that I didn't realize I was a part of um, because of how I grew up in such a heteronormative way. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember a lot of like learning child, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's all a, a big blur. Yeah, no, that's... I think so- I was probably, like... I, I was probably, like, 11 or 12 when I first really understood what sex was. Um, I don't know if that was early or late. It must have been before that, though, because I had a kid. It yeah. was all about, like, what sex is and where babies come from when I was, like, seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really... I, uh, um, I totally get the online thing the the whole point of communities online I really do think there's something so wonderful about being able to connect with people in different places and it it makes you feel a little bit less like isolated you know what I mean like it's definitely yeah yeah, it's like okay nobody who lives directly around me understands me but you know I can at least find somebody maybe who lives somewhere else who does and that kind of idea I really yeah and that's why I think the vast majority of my friends are people who I've met online who live thousands of miles away. We've connected on that level, mostly because they're also queer. Um, and it's something I never found in the, I knew in real life, went and found it in other places. And it's been so important for me having other queer friends. You know, it doesn't matter where they are in the world or how I've met them or you've never met in real life. I think it's so important. And I think kids, today they're so lucky to be able to have that you know to have such online access and I know the internet can be an evil place and all that but it is really it's so important yeah no absolutely I fully agree because I do think 
the bond that I built with a lot of people, like speaking as someone who also met a whole bunch of, you know, friends through online and through Wattpad specifically and kind of these like writer yeah. communities is like, I, there really is such a, a particular bond to the friendship because it, it's not proximity. Like you made these friends because you cared so much about yeah. them and because you had so much in common and you really could connect with them. I think there's something really Absolutely. special about that. Yeah, it's not like you've, you've been forced to be these friends because you went to class together or you live down the street. You know, it's bonding over the things that really matter, like your interests and your goals and, you know, your personalities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, thinking about it now, one of the first people I like came out to was somebody who I met online. It was Ivy, who's a good mutual friend of ours. And I kind of, I remember texting yeah. her and just being like, I don't <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on, but I, I think I'm going through something. Like, I think <laughs> I've like discovered something about myself <laughs> and it's like, it felt so like, safe and just so, so like important. I, yeah it just it felt really nice to have somebody who I could go back to and somebody who understood me and somebody who I knew would absolutely 100% support me and like I think there's a lot of safety too and like having it be someone who wasn't like a childhood friend or wasn't somebody who knew all yeah. of my friends because it's like you want to think that everybody in your life is going to be really supportive. And like, sometimes you do feel like somebody's going to be supportive and it's like, you know, you, but you don't really know until you actually say yeah. it, how people are going to respond to things. And I think there's something very safe about going to somebody who, you know, is already super accepting and somebody who, mm. you know, no matter what you say, she'll, you know, they'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Like, I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank you for coming out to me. You know, that kind of yeah. idea. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I really loved having somebody who not only, got me but was also somebody who frankly wasn't from around where I was living and didn't know my friends yeah. and it just felt very safe and very comfortable for me to do it in that way I I had the exact same experience yeah just with people on Wattpad and well just online in general it's like a a safe space away from everything you've grown up with and it's just so important I I found it so important anyway yeah, and I had I've had similar experience with with Ivy. To be honest, I think she's the person I've been the most out with. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really love that, and it's just like uh, I I don't know. There's just something so wonderful about it, and I mean, I'm I'm speaking this as we have like a you know essentially a queer group chat, like we have like you know yeah. we go back to and talk to yeah. about this stuff, and it's really it's wonderful. It's like you know if you'd asked me when I was like. 17 if I thought I'd be where I am right now I'm like I I don't think I would have even gotten close <laughs> like I don't think I would have ever predicted I'd be you know having the experience or even be like publicly out like that was just like not even something that really crossed my mind in high school because it's absolutely it just, not yeah yeah it was just so kind of like repressed and so like no there's no way like you know yeah I've had inklings in the past but like I don't think so like that's just you know <laughs> and now I think about it I'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> it would have saved you so much time and effort if you just accepted it when it came right? up the first time. <laughs> oh gosh, I could have saved myself like eight years of angst. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was just, because it's really, I remember so many years of being like, why does nothing, like, why does this not make sense to me? Like everybody makes it seem so easy and so simple. And it's like, you know, the complexities of dating were as simple as like, 
does the person like you or not, you know? Yeah. And then, but it's like, it's so much more than that when you're, you know, also trying to navigate like a, you know, a first crush on somebody who you're kind of like, am I even allowed to have a crush on them? Like, I, <laughs> like, am I breaking some oh, kind of rule? Like, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, so- oh gosh, my first celebrity crush was Monica from Friends. <laughs> and I was so ashamed because I knew that it was, well, I thought that it was not, like completely abnormal and unnatural. And I, I just, you know, I, I didn't know that it was totally normal to have crushes on weird people <laughs> or people of the same sex or sexuality or gender or whatever um and you know you're just like being like 11 and 12 and your friends are like oh who's your celebrity crush and they're naming all these like guys from boy bands and from whatever's on tv at the time and I felt so alienated because I just didn't feel that yeah and it was just it was hard it was weird I used to pretend I think when I was like 11 when everyone was huge on like who you've got a crush on who you're going to go out with and now that I look back on it 11 is so ridiculously young um but I just I pretended I had a crush on this boy in my class and I kept that up for seven years I just pretended I had a crush on him for seven years just to shut everyone up no it's really (laughs) (laughs) it's really like that like I that it's funny you mentioned the like celebrity crush thing in particular because that was so that was so formative for me, like having to go through that and having this feeling of like, you know, almost every time the game was played, I'd be like, can't I just like name a female celebrity instead? And like, I'd still sit there and I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm straight. (laughs) Like, this is like a normal (laughs) thing that like straight people do. And it's like, I remember having kind of like a, you know, kind of a Rolodex of like male celebrities that I'd fall back on and kind of be like, oh, you know, like it's just Jill. like the acceptable names. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'd be like, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal, like he makes sense for me. Like that checks out or like, <laughs> you know, like Nick Robinson was a fallback for me or like, you know, Harry Styles. It's so much easier just to like say a guy's name than to get into a conversation that you don't know if it's going to be safe. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it really does become, and it's like, you know, if you play it off, like, I would always just kind of play it off and be like, oh, you know, like, men, whatever. It's like, I'd (laughs) like that kind of idea. And people would kind of just roll with whenever I'd name like, you know, female celebrities or whatever, because then they'd also contribute because it's like, you know, the whole girl crush thing and whatever else. Yeah. Um, But it's like, you know, it's if I just I wonder if at some point if there'd been some kind of like intervention or something that was like, hey, maybe the fact that you only ever want to name female celebrities is suggesting something like maybe, maybe that means something <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or it's like you know maybe the fact that because I always just assumed like I was this kind of like late bloomer or like dating just like didn't make sense to me and like I was just too busy mm. to try it or you know like all of these different things like I tell myself all of these excuses as to why dating wasn't working out for me and like why it just I never really had that much interest in it like it's like I you know value the idea of like partnership but I wasn't sitting there like oh I need like a boyfriend like right this very instant like you know this that is kind like of stuff. talking to a mirror <laughs> <laughs> No, exactly I re- the same experience. Yeah, no, I really do feel like there's so many people who kind of have, like, I don't want to like generalize and be like, oh yeah, everyone's gone through yeah. this. But I do feel like there's a lot of people I've spoken to who went through kind of similar things of like navigating these weird kind of areas of like, how exactly am I supposed to like approach these things? And like, it's easier to kind of just repress it. And like, I don't really know how to have these conversations. And yeah. I think especially else. our sort of age range as well. 
like I hope that for kids today it's becoming more acceptable and more talked about and more open and well hopefully it's just going to keep going that way yeah it's already come a long way I think from when I was like 12 yeah Um, no seriously I think about it and I'm like the books and the access we have to like media like I know we often make fun of a lot of the stuff that's available that's queer for the community you know that kind of like a lot of the movies and the tv shows like there there are things that you know, we have like, we go in and out, like in and out with issues and things like that. But like, just being able to, I think, see yourself on screen really has so much power. Like it's, you know, I think about something like Riverdale, where if I'd watched that as a teen, which I know for a fact, I would have loved it because I loved it when I was like a freshman in college. I'm like, if you'd given me this show as like, maybe like a sophomore in high school, I would have watched every single episode, like without a sense of irony, like, and I I know for a fact, the representation would have really meant something to me. And even if I didn't realize it at the time, I think it would have helped and it would have at least given me hope for you know what could happen maybe in college you know that kind of idea it's just so important to have those kind of relationships and storylines just normalized in shows like that so you know it doesn't even if you're not queer it's just normalizing it for everyone so it's not like this big scandal yeah no I really love that point because it's like I think we often think of representation and kind of like being visible in media as for the people that are being represented you know it's like when I think about like watching like you know sapphic romance I typically think of it through the obviously through the lens of someone who's like you know interested in women but it is also really important just to see people who don't necessarily look like yourself or act like yourself on screen like it's you know the representation doesn't have to be that you connect with it it's just that you're realizing the world is a lot more than just you know people who look like you and your friends that kind of idea absolutely yeah it's it's just it's so necessary otherwise you end up just you only see one specific experience so you think that one specific specific experience applies to everyone and that's just such a dangerous mentality and you know it puts people's lives at risk because they they don't understand who they are or they're demonized for who they are because it's not what you've seen on this on the tv or whatever yeah, no, absolutely. It's like, ugh, yeah, I just think of all the people, you know, like my, like us, basically, who had to grow up and it's kind of this feeling of like, keeping stuff hidden, like not being able to like fully explore who you are. It's like, I would have yeah. probably been so much more content. Like it was like, there were a lot of aspects of my life that were like, fine growing up, like it's, you know, it worked out, but it's like, there were so many different things that I probably would have enjoyed a lot more, you know, like if I'd been able to, Mm. go to prom with somebody you know even something basic like that like and I remember one of the big things for me and kind of seeing a shift was I remember um I want to say maybe like three or four years after I graduated I remember seeing some updates online and there was like an openly like queer couple who went to prom together like it was two girls who went as dates like very openly everyone knew they were dating and I was like okay this is this is good like this is like the I, think, oh, I would have cried <laughs> yeah it's it's really it was so wonderful to see and it was like okay like we're definitely yeah. we're we're shifting like we're moving towards something and it's new. Just normal and it's not like making a statement or being political it's just people being who they are yeah and no. be, just being allowed to be who they are Yeah, it's really, and it's, I hear stories from my brother too, who like just started high school and he talks so much about, you know, his like queer friends and like all these people who are, it's like, you know, a bunch of like 
15 year olds who are like trying to figure out like their identities and where they fall and you know maybe their gender isn't the one that they originally grew up with like maybe they're realizing something else about themselves or maybe these you know the sexuality that they thought they were they're not actually and you know there's something else that they want to try out instead and I I just I love hearing the the openness and the language that he uses because it's like I think a lot of people listening to this will assume that like I kind of taught him the language but I in the time that I came out I was not living with him like I was in college already so I was not having like you know heart to hearts with him like he learned this stuff like on his own with his friends like kind of growing and developing and I just think there's something really wonderful about that like knowing that I probably contributed in a lot of ways but it wasn't only me like it wasn't just me having to talk him through this stuff it's just he discovered his identity and found friends who worked for him and I just I love the idea of there being a group of high schoolers who are just unapologetically out like I just I like as early as freshman year being able to identify how they want to right it's oh it's amazing my my sister's she's uh she's in her last year of secondary school now and ever since she was yeah she was probably about 14 15 she's had this huge group of friends loads of them are queer um they they call themselves the wonky club because like every (laughs) single one of them is queer um she's got trans friends who are you know they they've been able to live their true selves from the age of like 14 15 and it's just incredible to see that yeah and to see how much it's growing and how much it's changed even in you know I'm only seven years older than her so to see how much how far we've come in that short amount of time it's incredible oh yeah no and it's really I mean speaking personally I mean in the last probably three or four years in particular, I have learned so much about like gender and identifying. And it's like, so much. Yeah. Like I really, there's all these different, like, you know, terms and it just, there's so much to see and so much to learn. And I love the openness of it. And I love that there's people who can explore this because I know if I'm learning it now at the age of like, you know, 22 online, I think of all the people who are younger than me who are also seeing the same thing and feeling really validated and, you know, like just being able to come out and be who they are and feel comfortable and find terms that work for them or to learn that maybe terms don't, like the labels don't work for them. And that's perfectly fine too, you know, that kind of idea. I think that's something that I only kind of came across probably within the last five years or so was because I used to think, oh, well, if you like girls, you must be a lesbian. That's it. There's no turning back. That's the only label that's ever going to apply to you for the rest of your life. And it's only recently I've realized, no, that's bullshit. Any label can apply to you at any stage in your life, or, you know, if you even want labels. And it's, you know, it's something that's in a constant state of flux and evolution. And there's so much I've learned about myself in the past few years, you know, let alone just labels in general. Like, it's only recently that I came across things like demisexual and asexual that I never knew about when I was a teenager. And now they're terms that I'm kind of coming to terms with applying to myself. And it's, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's strange coming across new terms and at first being like, well, what's that? And then thinking, oh, maybe that's me. Um, but I'm just, I'm so excited for people who are so much younger than me who are going to be able to figure that out from such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I really, I totally understand that too. Cause I remember kind of going through the process of like, what works for me, like just constantly Mm -hmm. asking myself kind of over and over again. Like I remember in high school, kind of, kind of coping with this idea of like, so if I, if I was by chance interested in women, like 
<laughs> you know, like what would this, what would this mean for me? Like where would yeah. I fall? And it's kind of like, I remember when I first told Ivy, I was like, maybe, I think maybe I'm bi. Like, I think, you know, maybe I'll try out like, you know, kind of like men and women on Tinder, maybe see kind of like what ends up happening and what works for me. And it, you know, it kind of evolved from there into figuring out, like I had never been interested in men in the first place, but it's like, <laughs> you know, like it was a, gro- it was a growing process. Like, I think there's yeah. kind of this idea that like, you just wake up and you're kind of like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be forever. And it's like, no, like things change and you know, you meet people, you do new things, you hear new terms and all of a sudden like doors open for you. And you're like, you know what? I, I never felt truly comfortable with whatever that label might be. Yeah. How about, you know, let's, maybe we need to shift gears a little bit. And I think it's beautiful that we have that ability. And I think it's amazing as humans that like we can do that. And I love that people are starting to kind of understand that in a, in a broader context rather than it having to be like small pockets of the internet and that kind of idea. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's so just heartwarming to see like just uh, like shows like Shit's Creek and things like that. You know, it's just happy queer people having happy stories and just being able to enjoy like media that isn't demonizing mm-hmm. and just being able to I, I it just makes me so happy I I, I <laughs> am really shit with my words <laughs> no I really I but think just, it's there's been a boom recently and I, I don't know how long it's been because I've lost track of time but in the past few years I think like basically the last like six years are just a blur I don't know where they've gone um but I think that sort of time is when especially the last two mm, no it must be six because that's how old Shit's Creek is so it's that sort of time I reckon um that it's become like just normal and acceptable to portray queer characters where they're not just like the focus it's not about queerness it's just about relationships and things and we're still coming a long way because there's still a lot of I think there is still a lot more that I know there's still a huge amount of stigma but it just makes me so happy to see things moving in that direction where you can go on Netflix and find a whole bunch of shows that feature queer characters and it not be like a joke Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel the same way about books. I feel like in the last, like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Like, I don't even know when it started. Like, I just, I feel like it was like all of a sudden (laughs) every like to be read list and like every like upcoming release started having not just like one kind of like, you know, okay, here's our one gay book for the year kind of idea. It was like, there were lots of choices to the, to the point now where we have full lists that are like, like now I I type in like, 2020 queer releases and I'm inundated with tons of amazing books yeah I just you know I don't have the money and time to read but I want to devour all of them and back when I was maybe like 10 years ago the only queer books I could come across were by David Levithan and things like Two Boys Kissing and Will Grayson Will Grayson um and that's all that I knew that's all that I could find of like queer books it just wasn't a big thing like 10 years ago yeah and even five years ago like three years ago even it wasn't that huge I don't feel like it feels like there's been a massive boom recently and I'm so excited about it yeah no it really it's like I mean just looking like I can see my bookshelf right now and like I'm literally looking at a copy of like red white and royal blue which like is very clearly yeah it's like very clearly a romance involving 
like you know two male characters yeah and I just I love that I love that it is so unapologetically a a rom-com for people and it's like I recently read you know like you should see me in a crown which was so just fun and light and easy and like I know for a fact if I read it when I was in like high school it would have like completely just like reshaped everything that I imagined for myself it would have been so formative just to read a book about queer girls in high school being just like normal people (laughs) yeah it's like yeah it's really and I I love the growth that we're going through and I love that I really do think the next step is you know something like having books where coming out isn't even part of the conversation like it's you know it's just simply okay here's two people who are just dating like I really do think we're starting to shift into stories where it's just people who are simply dropped into their lives and we just get to watch them kind of grow and learn and fall in love without it being like how am I going to come out to this person or how am I going to navigate this it's like I love those stories and I think they're really beautiful and really wonderful and super important but it's also like sometimes I just want to like read about people kind of at the stage that I'm at right now where it's, I feel very comfortable with my sexuality. I've been out, you know, all of my loved ones, uh, pretty much everyone who knows me at this point knows that I'm out. So it's like, you know, I'd love to read books about that too, where it's people who just kind of, and actually I, um, I say that now, but I, I literally just read an adult rom-com that was written that way. That was, I, I want to say it's written in the stars. Um, that was just really really wonderful like it was just it was so nice it's so refreshing yeah it's really and it's like you know it's not about the trauma of coming out or the angst it's just about like a love story or a comedy or whatever yeah it's really because it's, it's their whole struggle of just trying to like make two pieces fit you know it's like yeah. they they're able to kind of be a little bit of like enemies to lovers fake dating kind of thing and there's none of this like we have to keep things secret or we have to kind of navigate this or right. you know it's like two women who would look like myself you know that kind of idea where it's they feel comfortable yeah. everyone knows they're out already people you know their friends actively try and like set them up with you know other queer people that kind of idea and I just ugh, I it was just so nice and I didn't realize how desperately I needed it until I finished and like I wrapped up the book and I was like wow like <laughs> like that just like filled something in me like that just like totally like provided something that I hadn't like I knew I had wanted it but I didn't realize to what extent I had been waiting for it and you don't realize how starved of it you are until you find something that fulfills it oh absolutely and then it's all of a sudden like wait how many other books can I read that are going to be in the (laughs) same (laughs) and it's it's, something that I've it's become so important to me since I realized that a lot of the queer books I was reading like the ones that came out a longer time ago it was about, you know, struggle and family problems and, you know, coming out and things being difficult. And I was like, I, I don't necessarily want to read the trauma all the time. The trauma is really important. And it's, you know, for a lot of people, it's a necessary step. And it's really important to be able to read about it. But it's also important to be able to read the joy and just the regular queer people leading their regular queer lives where there's not some big secret. And it's something that I found really important to write about as well, to you know, writing queer characters who their sexuality is just like, it's just like a side fact. It's, it's not the star of the show. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, and actually, now that you're mentioning it, do you think you could maybe talk a little bit about your process from going from like, you know, maybe figuring out like, was it did you kind of figure out that maybe you were queer or maybe even, you know, by figuring out your label um, before you started writing these characters? Or do you feel like you kind of gravitated toward these stories? Like what kind of like, I guess, like writing journey did you have for writing your your like queer um, romances and stories? I I think I first, I, from a very young age, I thought, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not like my friends. I think probably from about the age of eight, even maybe, I thought, I'm not, you know, I'm a bit different. And I was about 12 when I first thought that I might not be straight. And it terrified me because of how people talk about queer people. So I kind of, I tried to hide that and suppress it. And it wasn't until I was about 18. So after I started writing, because I, well, I've been writing books for like 12 years now. Um, and I think I was about 17, 18. No, I was 17 when I joined PAD. Um, and I wasn't out to myself then. I wasn't out to anyone. So I started writing just like really basic cishet white couples. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what I thought people wanted to read. That's what I thought I wanted to be. Um, and then... When I was 18, I spent a summer working at a really inclusive Jewish summer camp in Ohio. And like half the staff were openly queer. And it was just, it was just amazing. And I came out as bisexual then to my friends and to the people around me. And it was just like this really formative moment for me. Um, and it was after that that I was like, I need to reflect this in my writing. And it took a while. It took quite a long time. Um, I'm just trying to think when I first wrote a queer story. um, Because at least, you know, my old profile, it was all very straight. Um, And even the first few on my new profile, which I made only four years ago, there's a lot of straight characters here. It's quite (laughs) embarrassing. Um, I think the first one, I was in university when I wrote it. And I was like, you know what? I... I'm sick of writing these people who don't reflect who I am. And now that I'd had a couple of years to come to terms with it, I think I must have been like 21-ish. Um, and I'd, you know, I'd come out to my friend, well, I'd come out to one best friend <laughs> and I'd come out to everyone at the summer camp. And I think I'd accidentally come out to my family because I was out on Wattpad and my sister read my Wattpad profile and I forgot she had access to it. Um, and I'm pretty sure she told my whole family because they knew by the time I got home from the summer camp. Um, and it took me a while to, you know, even after I came out, it still took me a while to come to terms with it. Um, so I kind of had this very out persona online that I still wasn't sure about myself because I was trying to, trying to force myself to be comfortable with it in a way. Um, and then I think it was, yeah. So I wrote One Night Only in 2017. Um, which is the first, I think it's the first time that I featured a queer character. I know 2016, I featured a queer character. There we go. <laughs> um, the end of 2016. Yeah. So that's, that's only four years ago. So it was when I was 20. Um, and I wrote about a bisexual character and it was just so freeing and to see people react really well to it as well. Um, and to be so refreshed to see a bisexual woman um, as the center of like an erotic romance And I think that was kind of a catalyst for me, understanding myself. And then that encouraged me to be more experimental and push it further with the queer stories that I was writing. Um, 
and I now I you know I haven't looked back from the past couple of years I I think all my characters have been queer and I, I don't ever want to write a straight character again it's just not who I am <laughs> like literally um, yeah. and it's been so amazing having you know a platform like Wattpad where you f the people who want to read that stuff they find you and so you've got this amazing support group of people who are looking for the same thing as you from all over the world and I can write my weird little like lesbian mystery and people will find it and they'll they'll see themselves in it the way that I see myself in it and it's just incredible Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, I, I've always wanted to ask you about it because it was kind of like, you know, we ended up in this group chat and immediately went from like, you know, hey, what's up to like, you know, <laughs> sharing all sorts of like tweets and things. Yeah. But I never had the chance to really like ask you kind of what your writing journey was about or, you know, kind of because I think, honestly, you were probably the first person I saw online who was pretty consistently writing queer characters like that was really? something for me yeah like I think that was like a really profound thing for me um because I didn't really see it on bookshelves that much like I I yeah. sort of did but it definitely was not to the extent that it is now like I feel like there are a whole bunch of different options and there's options that yeah. like I kind of like hit on different points kind of what you were talking about like with writing a you know lesbian mystery that kind of idea or being able to like read a rom-com or being able to read a coming-of-age story like I feel like there's there's options now which there wasn't really so many options yeah. yeah um and it's like you know there's different things for different types of people and different genres depending on your mood and it's like wow so I don't have to just like pick one book but I really yeah. I remember like kind of you know seeing your profile keeping up with everything that you were doing and it was just like wow like <laughs> oh my goodness like this so, is so, like it was just so exciting and so fun because like for me I didn't end up writing a uh like lesbian narrator like I didn't have a queer narrator until literally this year like this calendar yeah. year I wrote my first one um and it was just kind of it's I mean it was like you said freeing like it was just so exciting to be able to write a narrator who truly felt like me because up until then every like romance I'd written had been you know a straight effort and just didn't really yeah. feel authentic to me or wasn't really anything that I actually wanted like I think I told myself that I did and I'd write them and I'd be, <laughs> I'd, I was very genuine about it like it was never something where I felt like a fraud when I was writing it but it's like when I look back on it I think the way that I understood romance at the time is totally different than like how I understand it now just because yeah. I, I've learned so much about myself and so much in the process of coming out well it's just it's such a huge like evolutionary period in in your life and I think it's very natural to you know, you come out, you come out to your friends and family, but it's a whole other step, you know, actually writing a character who reflects yourself. Um, it took me ages to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I think there's something, I don't know if you had the same experience, but for me, it felt very vulnerable to actually write yeah. a character who looked like myself and, and really was like, you know, going in this, like, it felt like, probably how it feels for other people writing romance just this idea of like you know openly showing everybody kind of like yeah this is like you know a cute love story like this is you know on my mind this is something like yeah. you know I've wanted to talk about and that kind of it just it felt very very like kind of open <laughs> I don't really know yeah, how it else feels to like you're exposing it. yourself in a exactly way. yeah and this and is like you know I'd already been out for like you know 
two years or whatever it was at that point. And I still felt like it was something totally new and like a little, not like embarrassing, but just kind of like, wow, like people are really like seeing me now. Like I can't (laughs) hide behind anything at this point. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, (laughs) I don't have anything to add. Yeah. (laughs) I just feel actually, um, there was one thing you said before. Oh, about the group chat, how you were saying, you know, we went from saying hi to then, you know, you're sharing loads and loads and loads. And I think that is quite typical of like the queer experience because you kind of miss out on that childhood of having the people to share these feelings and thoughts with that when you do find those people, it kind of all comes out in this like explosive rush before you even know each other that well. It's, I think it's just such like for me, at least anyway, um, like it could take me, ages to open up to people that I grew up with but then I find a little pocket of queer people on the internet and I'm like right here's everything about me <laughs> I met you two minutes ago no I really and what's funny is now that you point that out it is kind of one of those like I don't even know what to call it like kind of inside jokes of the queer community or like yeah. you know like it's one of those things where people like you know like people make jokes about it all the time but it is true that it's like it for some reason queer people talking to each other just like immediate it's like there's a sense of solidarity and it's the same feeling I get even like when I see strangers walking down the street like holding hands or something it's like I don't oh know oh my them. gosh if I see a queer people I see a queer couple in public I get so excited and I, yeah. I just want to wave at them like hi, hi <laughs> I'm one of you too be my friend, please. <laughs> it really, it's like, yeah. And I think that's a great point that you make about, you know, part of it probably being that we didn't actually get to talk about a lot of this stuff. Like I never got to have girl talk growing up. Like I did, like I engaged in girl talk and like, you know, well, like, you know, like quote unquote girl talk where it's like, yeah. you know, oh my God, this, this boy is so cute. Like, should I text him? Like, you know, oh my God, he asked me out on a date. Like, you know, I would participate in that kind of stuff, but it was, it never felt right like I was never super excited Mm -hmm. about it it just like was never it's like the second I started being able to do that like as an out lesbian I was like oh my god this is this is what I was missing like this is I I get it now (laughs) like it was so just like exciting and so fun and I was like okay now I understand why everyone would talk about dating like it was like a a great experience because it it felt very tedious before and now all of a sudden it was like wow no this is like this is genuinely exciting and fun and I want to like share details about myself and talk to other people who who genuinely get me and can relate to me on this like totally different level and like a really kind of like weird way like I don't even know how to describe it it really is such a like you know subculture kind of like delayed adolescence in a way yeah all the stuff that you're stifling from the age of like 12, 13, whatever. And then you're finding your people 10 years later. And it's like this volcano that's been desperate to erupt. <laughs> and you finally found the right people to erupt in front of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I just think of all of the stories that I've shared, like all of these weird little like tidbits of information that I've had in my brain for years about like, you know, oh, when I was seven years old and I watched Pirates of the Caribbean, I saw Kira Knightley for the first time and like lost my mind, you know, stuff like that, <laughs> where it's like, I obviously didn't share that as a child. Like I, yeah. I didn't, you know, nobody told me I shouldn't share it. It was just kind of this inherent feeling of like, I don't think I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to talk about this. Like, I don't think this yeah. was like whatever feeling I'm thinking I'm having was something I just like made up, <laughs> you it's know, like, like there's this inherent sense from a really young age that it's wrong and like I don't know about you but when I was growing up like 
the, the biggest insult was gay. Like everything bad was gay. Yeah. Everything stupid was gay. And you grow up thinking, oh, well, if gay is such a bad thing and this is what gay really means, then, oh, I'm, you know, I'm in the wrong. I need to, you know, hide all this stuff. Um, and I, I, I don't know how different my like early teen years could have been if I hadn't grown up with that, even like unintentionally anti-queer attitudes amongst people my age. And I think like I really struggled with anxiety and depression when I was like 14, 15 sort of age. And I think that's really common for people, for queer people. Um, and I think a lot of it was because I felt different and I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to express it. I didn't know how to come to terms with it. And I didn't know who I could talk to and be safe and how to express myself in a way that I wasn't going to be judged or shunned. And so then to find that sort of community 10 years later, it's incredible. Oh, absolutely. You know, you can share these things and people have the same experience. Like even just talking to you tonight, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's how I felt. That's how how I've grown up as well. Yeah, it's really, there's something so validating about realizing that all of those years that you kept like kind of repressed or kept things hidden about yourself, like there were other people who went through the same thing. Like it sucks that we all went through this (laughs) and it sucks. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but you know, it's, I, I think there's something about being able to find it at all, like being able to just find people and connect with people. And it's like, you know, I, I'm glad it's happening and I'm glad I'm mm. able to experience this. And I was able to, you know, really enjoy like my time in college, for example, because I finally felt comfortable with myself and found a group of friends who completely understood me where, and I, you know, for a very brief period of time was <laughs> like one of the only straight people in the group, you know, that kind of <laughs> idea. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's really, I don't know. I'm like, it's, I, we talked about this earlier, but it really is one of those things where if I had tried to tell myself when I was like 17, that this is where I'd be now, I'd be like, what? <laughs> like, like yeah. what are you talking about? But I, I think maybe it would have been kind of freeing for me at that age too, just because it, um, I think there were a lot of years of just kind of like, what am I doing? Like, I just, why is none of this making sense to me? Am I missing something? Like, do I just, I remember going through stages of like trying different types of like trying crushes essentially on different types of men and being like, Absolutely. okay, <laughs> like it's, it's maybe like the, the like nerdy kind of academic type is more my type or maybe like, <laughs> you know, the kind of like goofy guy or maybe like the athlete or like, you know, someone who does like a lot of like theater or something like I would try all of these different variations. And I was like, why are none of them making sense like what is not clicking um and it wasn't until you know I got older and I was like oh wait (laughs) that's why or maybe that's why (laughs) um or like one of my favorite things is like you know I absolutely did not understand the bad boy trend like at all like I was growing up and I was just like I don't get it (laughs) yeah and I was just kind of like this really isn't my thing like I just I don't I don't super I'm, I don't know, like no judgment to anybody, but like not really my thing. And then it was yeah. like, I met, you know, an openly queer woman with tattoos like one time and I was like, oh, <laughs> so it's, it's not bad boys. It's, it's just, like, it's not like, you know, the whole like, <laughs> yeah, like edgy category. It's like, it's just, you know, just needed some like bad girls in my life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> which oh is God. so embarrassing to think about and it feels so transparent and obvious now um but, it, but you it, don't it, know that when you're going through it you have no yeah. like frame of reference so you know you're everyone's obsessed with a bad boy you don't have 
any reason to maybe understand or think about oh what about a bad girl that would be hot yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, no, it's really, I, there's all sorts of like funny ways that I think are, well, not funny, it's really sad when you think about it, but like kind of like ways that our brains would like justify things. Like, I don't know if you went through the same thing, but it was like, you know, I would have all of these mini experiences where I'd like try and like talk about a woman and I'd think about it now and I'd be like, oh my God, like, oh girl, you had, like you like please (laughs) like or I talk about actresses and just be like oh my god yeah no she's just really attractive like I want to you know like be her and it's like no I had the exact same thing (laughs) like no you just you know you just thought she was attractive like that's it's fine (laughs) um, I just you know didn't know at the time and I was just kind of like yeah like I have all of these super embarrassing tweets from like god probably dating back to like 2012 at this point of me just being like you know absolutely swooning over these girls and uh, you know like (laughs) like actresses and being like oh my god like I just think she's really pretty like I wish I looked like that and it's like yeah okay maybe you do but like you also absolutely (laughs) wanted to like like, go on a date with her like it's you know they they coexisted but absolutely yeah um so kind of like bringing this is kind of changing directions a little bit, but yeah. how comprehensive was your understanding of sex as a teen? So outside of, cause we, we just talked extensively about what was missing when we were growing <laughs> up, but like, you know, do you think you actually learned a lot in your classes outside of, you know, what was missing from like a, a queer perspective? Um, I, I don't know. I think I don't recall ever like having questions or not understanding stuff. Um, so my parents have always been really open about sex and all that and they never restricted the kind of tv I watched or the books I bought so I did a lot of self-learning as a sort of teen um, so I don't think I've ever really had like big questions or been misinformed or anything because I've done a lot of learning through internet and tv and friends um, but yeah I don't have I don't have any big moments of like realizing I've been misinformed or thinking oh well you know that doesn't make sense or whatever because I was I was quite a mature like precocious child I would always just google what I didn't understand or I'd find a book about it um like <laughs> I have one weird memory of um I was staying up late one night I think I must have been about 11 probably and I watched a talk show and I can't remember who was on it. For some reason, I feel like it was Katy Perry, but it almost definitely wasn't her. I don't know why. <laughs> um, and there was a male guest on. I think it was Russell Brand. Could have been anyone. Um, and the, the, a fan wrote in and said that she masturbated thinking about him. And I'd never heard the word before. And I must have, yeah, been only 11 or 12. And I, so I, I found a dictionary on the bookshelf and I found the word. And I was like, oh my gosh. I've never come across that before. What's that? And that led me on a whole new path of like discovery. Um, thanks, Google. <laughs> no, I really love that. And I think that's such a like a testament to kind of like what we grew up around and the resources that we had, because it really was, you know, all of a sudden we had this ability to just like search things online. Like we yeah. wouldn't have to like, you know, ask anybody or like hold on to these questions or, yeah. you know, just like hope we learned about it in the future. It's like, we could just like Google it for better or for worse. Yeah. Like it's, I you know, I think 
when I was probably like 15, 16, I learned an awful lot from UrbanDictionary.com. <laughs> I would, I would type anything into there and learn way more than I ever wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, no, because it really is. I mean, the information is is out there. It's yeah. you know, sometimes you just might not know the terms for it, but it definitely is. You know, you can yeah. you can eventually find it. I think in a lot of ways, which you know, it has like upsides and downsides. But I do like the accessibility of information and kind of this ability yeah. to kind of take your education into your own hands. And this might be kind of like an American perspective in the sense that our sex education is super diverse in what we get, you know, what kind of education, how that education is framed, if it's effective, if it's even like medically accurate, you know, that kind of idea. So I love the ability for people to be able to go online and search for things and be able to find things out for themselves rather than just hope for the best from their sex ed classes and that kind of idea. Oh gosh, do not rely on sex ed classes. They are atrocious. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. I just, I think about it and I'm like, there's, I, I can't even really remember what I learned in my sex ed class. Like it was just kind of like joint with a health class. Like it was just part of mm. a broader lesson about like the body and stuff like that, which like, great. Yeah. Like that's, you know, like that makes sense, but we didn't really cover anything that was new or anything that really like I think answered some burning questions like I it wasn't until like I want to say maybe two years ago I sat in on like a sex ed class I was volunteering with Planned Parenthood and was fortunate enough to be able to like actually like watch a sex ed class go in person and be able to super and like help out with it um and that was the first time that I think I'd actually heard kids be able to like ask an adult in the room, like questions, like genuine questions and have like a real response. Like, you know, That's it was so amazing. Yeah. It was really, it was so powerful watching it because these kids would throw things out just kind of as like a, you know, in some ways I do think it was kind of to get like, like a rise out of her and just see like, if she would you know, say like, no, that's too far. Like, we're not going to talk about that. But she would always be able to spin it into something that was genuinely useful to know. That is is so important to have an adult figure who, you know, you can throw any question at and they're not going to laugh at you or shame you. They're just going to answer you with the honest, like scientific facts or whatever. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, it was really, I'm like, where was this growing up? Because like, even, even the ability to like, have like a question jar, like not even in the sense of like, you have to like raise your hand and identify to the entire class, you know, like, Hey, I have a question and it's, you know, probably something kind of personal, um, like, you know, just having something and then having an adult who takes those questions seriously. Like, I think the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I think we did have like a question jar for our class. Like it was one of those, you know, you can anonymously put something in there, but Mm. I don't think we ever really got questions and I think part of that was because there just wasn't a great support system for it like it was just like our teacher wasn't trained in this stuff like how the teacher was from Planned Parenthood because that's her whole background is sex education so it's like it was a health teacher who might have an understanding of it but doesn't necessarily go through the training or like have that comfort that somebody who like their entire life is dedicated basically to teaching sex ed to people, you know, that kind of idea. Um, so I think it made it kind of uncomfortable for us to ask questions because we could sense the discomfort from the adult in the room. That's, and that's such a, a dangerous position to be in, to, to not feel that you can ask questions and for an adult to not be able to answer them. And I, it's just, I feel like, Obviously, you know, it's not 
a teacher's job to provide all your sex education, but there, there should be a safe space in every school to be able to have those questions and to put them forward and have someone who's going to give you an answer that is, you know, honest and based on facts and not some agenda. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I really, it's, I just, I mean, I was in college at this point, you know, like volunteering and it's my first sex ed class had been probably close to like five or six years before that, if not longer. And I, I just was like, wow, this is incredible. Like this is the first time I've ever actually seen somebody like an adult stand in front of a room and genuinely answer the questions that the kids are like, it's just, it was really, I don't know. I just, I, I remember it so vividly and it was such a driving force for me and kind of being like, okay, so we, we can do this. Like we can have (laughs) open communication and it really does, I think have benefits. Like, I mean, I didn't get to sit in on that many classes, but it really, it felt like there was such a special kind of bond there and just Mm, kind of this idea of like, this is somebody who, even if, you know, they don't necessarily like, you know, 10 years down the road think, wow, thanks. You know, that was, that was really helpful. I'm glad she told us that it's kind of like, hopefully it'll be at least inherently built into them and they'll acknowledge, you know, different things or remember different things or keep certain things in mind about their body or just feel more comfortable about themselves and, and realize that it's, it's not embarrassing. Like their bodies are not embarrassing. The questions and concerns that they have about their bodies are not embarrassing, you know, that kind of idea. And the thing is, like, so many people will have the same questions and, like, more confusing questions and deeper questions that they don't feel like they can share because they don't realise that everyone is going through something and everyone at some point is confused about their body. Um, So to have that space where you can have an adult who isn't going to, you know, you can throw any question at them even if you're taking the piss and they're going to answer you properly and that kind of de-escalates the kids who are doing it to, them, to joke and you actually get an education out of it. Yeah, and absolutely. They can turn around some stupid question and make it into like a moment of education. And that's, I, I just wish we could see that everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was really, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I find sex education so important. So when I think about moments like that, like I just get like, I don't want to say like emotional, but like I get very like, you know, this is, this is what we've been waiting for. Like, this is what every person deserves growing up. And this is something that we should be able to provide. And I just, I really wish we could guarantee it for everyone. And it's, you know, maybe it's so simple. Yeah, that's exactly. It's like, we just have to find those people because it's, you know, we're not like, I know for a fact, there's more people that are probably in this realm who are interested in doing it or people who could be trained who think they might not be comfortable with it until they realize they actually are. And it's just, it, it would be so, it's such a small way to make such a huge difference to a lot of kids' lives, especially kids who are potentially going to be more vulnerable and more at risk, you know, kids who are, are queer or, or questioning or whatever. And they, they just need that safe space. And it's so easy to, what well, it's not easy necessary to provide, but it would be simple to provide. Yeah, just absolutely. Just one person yeah. who has the answers. So kind of relatedly, is there anything that you feel like if you could guarantee, like we've talked about a whole bunch of different kind of aspects and different things we'd want to see, but if there's anything where like you could absolutely guarantee that every kid would know that, is there something you can think of? Like, is there kind of like a, you know, 
like a piece of advice or like if you were talking to like your younger self what would you yeah. have wanted her to know I I wish every kid could know and be reliably taught from a young age that like cishet sex is not the only option sex isn't even necessarily the only option you know, I want kids to know that there is this huge range of sexualities and labels and everything that you can identify as and it can change and I just want them to know that it's normal to have questions it's normal to be interested in sex it's normal to be completely disinterested you know there's I think asexuality isn't talked about nearly enough it's just kind of completely ignored by all sex ed because they're just focused on what just cis het sex they, they don't think about you know they don't address asexuality and that some people just are not interested or do not have those feelings and I want that to be normalized for for kids to, to understand that you don't have to have those urges or whatever and you can and both are normal both are fine and it's normal to be confused as well like I, I don't know any kid who isn't confused about something as a young teenager and to take that one burden off their shoulders is so important it would have changed my life if I hadn't had so many questions and been so confused and not known who I was and I just I would love to get rid of that heteronormative focus on sex, sex education when sex and sexuality are these huge spectrums you know it's not a one-size-fits-all deal and I think that would that's what I'd want kids to know that you know it's normal everything's normal <laughs> you know whatever you're feeling and whatever you think you know what, what you're stressed about or scared about you know relating to sex and sexuality it's guaranteed someone else you know millions of other people potentially have the same feelings yeah absolutely no I I honestly I think that's a, a great note to wrap up on I think that's a really it's a yeah. I think a hopeful note honestly yeah. I think it's a, a I am hopeful one. yeah yeah Hi everyone, before we, you know, tune out, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sex Ed Taught Me. Thank you for supporting this podcast and supporting this kind of, you know, ridiculous hodgepodge idea that I came up with uh, just, you know, because I wanted to see it and try it out and see what happens. Um, a huge thank you to Jake Miller, who is the editor and kind of just the he mixes the podcast he puts this all together for us um i honestly think he's the reason why you're even hearing it right now so uh huge huge thank you to him and huge thank you to our guests who are coming onto the show um if you are interested you can find us on twitter and instagram at sex ed taught me so hopefully it should be pretty easy to find uh and if you want to send anything into us if you would like to be a guest if you just have a funny story you'd like to share if you have any questions or things you want to clarify or whatever reason it might be you can also email us at sexedtaughtme at gmail.com uh, but again thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time